We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Arsenal is tied the first leg 1-1, then they're playing at home in uh, in Athens. Yeah. And they go down 2-1, which means it's 3-2 on aggregate, but they have to score, they have to win outright to go forward. Yeah. And they they went scored again, so then it was 2-2, but a 2-2 scoreline sends forward the other team who is Benfica from Portugal, and Aubameyang scored in the 88th minute. So just a nasty goal. It was a beautiful assist, bro. Our best player is 19 years old, and he just—it was amazing. It was one of those things you're like, yeah, there is there is a god. 19 years old, and you'll probably make more in a year than we'll make in a lifetime. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he. So what, what is just actually, to just to kick a ball around? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, just, what is actually kind of interesting is for a lot of these guys, and he's one of the dude kids that has come up through Hale End, which is Arsenal's youth program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not allowed to sign a professional contract until they turn eighteen. And yeah, before, so there's no like academy like there is with. Yeah, there, there's an academy, but there's a cap on how much you can get paid. Okay. And yeah. when, when you turn, you sign your first professional contract, then mm-hmm. you know, you're, you can get paid whatever. But for kids that right. come up through the academy, usually they sign their first professional deal if it's with the club that they've come matriculated through at 16. So by the time they see the field at 18 – they're still maybe only making 200 pounds a week. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And it'll be his next I know they're living in like, in like London. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like they're living in like Bumblefuck England. They're, no, living, in, they're living in London. And London. Like, okay. And these kids are getting euro a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're getting taken care of like room and board. Food, yes. All yes. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's like a stipend essentially. Yes. And it is. Again, something that I, I think is really dope. It is a the the academy program. It is a essentially a boarding school. Like mm-hmm. it, it would be, mm-hmm. we would think of it as like child labor. You know, the, these kids. Yeah. yeah. They from the time they're 10, 12 years old, they're full time academy. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's to to kind of like go on our conversation that we had last episode. Um, with like sports socialism in America. And I said, you know, baseball and soccer in Europe, baseball in America and soccer in Europe, there's a lot of similarities. And this kind of reminds me of the, um, essentially like the baseball academies that all 30 baseball teams have set up in like Venezuela and the Dominican. And if you're, most people don't realize that these, you know, these baseball players from the Caribbean and South America that are, drafted when they're 17, 18 years old, have already been part of a team's farther reach uh, since they were probably like five or six years old. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are baseball academies too. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities. Now, of course, this is illegal in America. So to bring on to your, uh, your like child labor child uh, uh, issue, 
these academies don't exist in America for baseball. They exist in, like I said, the Dominican and Venezuela, I believe, are like the two countries that that have it. Uh, which uh, which makes total sense, but like, mm-hmm. and I think maybe it's, and this is a good thing in U.S. sports because of the overall uh, quality of life in terms of like medium median. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there shouldn't be a, you know, you're getting out of the slums type thing, but that's a very real allure to kids that are growing up in the barrios in Brazil, Argentina. Oh, yeah. The favelas, and, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's totally different, at least in my eyes, than even if you grow up in a very poor, rough area in the U.S., well, yeah, sure. and, but but people also don't know if even if you're a minor leaguer here in the states, you don't get paid shit either. You're like you're making below Nothing. the poverty, yeah, below yeah. the poverty line. Too. I uh, I uh, back in college, I one one semester, I uh, I wasn't I was in Vegas for the semester. I took a semester off. I worked at Macy's for that semester, and uh, I was during the holiday season. And one of the the guys that I like worked with in my department at Macy's actually played for the then Las Vegas 51s, the now Las Vegas Aviators, which at the time was the AAA team for yeah. the uh, for the New York Mets. Um, now I think they're the Athletics AAA affiliate. And uh, I remember just talking to him, and I'm just like, "So, dude, you're like a professional ball player, and and you're working at Macy's." He's like, "Dude, I get paid like six hundred dollars a week, man." But yeah, you, they don't get paid. Shit. He's like, "You can't survive." He goes, "You can't survive on thirty grand a year." Plus, what a lot of people don't know is, like, in the minors, like their travels paid for, but not their food. So when they're going like all over the place, they don't get fit. They don't get fit. They their their expenses get even higher during the actual season. So it's uh, dude, that's fucked. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's super uh, yeah, fucked. Yeah, that's why a lot of these minor league players. They stay with host families because they can't afford rent. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. So here's another, and, and Jason, I'm not sure if you're as familiar with this, but another thing that we don't do in American sports that I just think makes so much more sense is with these kids, okay, obviously at a big club like Arsenal or Man United or anything, you know, players get brought in tons of money. So the likelihood that a 17 or 18-year-old is going to break into the first team is unlikely. Um, however, there's the loan, the, the player loan option, which allows young players to go play at professional clubs in other leagues around the country, around the world. And mm-hmm. essentially I play, I play FIFA on, on uh, career mode. I, okay. I, I, I've <laughs> gotten Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi and like, uh, and like all those guys all on FC Barcelona before. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, okay, but basically, basically my point is, and what, what, what I do love is that most American sports knowledge is tied on to FIFA, which I love. Yeah. It, hey man, if FIFA has done enough for the world, like I'm, I'm cool. That's with a that. sport. It's a sports simulation, not a sports video game. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it does provide like an alternative to how I think some of the major U.S. sports, uh, the NBA in particular, sticks out to me as an alternative uh, way of doing things. I don't think they'd ever enact it. I just think that it's possible. Well, yeah, and NBA is really the only American sport that's global. Yes. Yes. So. um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Baseball on sort of a level, but it's mostly... You Baseball's know, really the, just this hemisphere. 
Yeah, exactly. It's this exactly. hemisphere in Japan. South Korea. Um, and South, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. South yeah. Korea has a huge baseball Huge South fan Korea fans. Right. They, they saved us yeah. in the pandemic. Yeah, thanks for specifying which Korea, <laughs> Timothy. Yeah, thank you. If I just threw out <laughs> Korea, okay, what the, like, you'd be, you know, you'd give me shit for not mentioning the, the southernmost. Absolutely. I, I mean, you've, you've, you've done that before. You've done that yeah. before, so that's why we're, we gave you shit. I actually yeah, would. Malta boy. I actually would like to watch North Korean base. Can you imagine that? That would just no. be a dystopian <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> There'd our, be like our our play is very fat. <laughs> very fat. <laughs> Again, Jason. Yeah, just 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 for a disclaimer, so people don't think that was racist. That was quoting the movie. The interview with James Franco and and you know can we just edit this out and post? Nope. <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but funny fact about maybe fucked up in North Korea sports. So they made the World Cup qualified for the first time in 2018, 2014. Okay. And for 18 or for 14? In 14. And okay. it was the first time they'd qualified, of course, because of their closeness. They had told their people that they'd won every World Cup since ever. And mm-hmm. they happened to get drawn into the proverbial group of death, which is always unfortunate. Weren't we in that? Or was we were that in 18? 18. Uh, and, and in 2010, we were in the group of death, too. Yes, yes. So they, they had like... Brazil, right? It was 2010? It was like 20. Brazil, Ghana... Yeah. It was in Brazil. Uh, Brazil was the host country. 2014. Oh, sorry, I keep, I keep interrupting you, Timothy. No, you're good, yeah. you're good. Um, so, essentially, North Korea sends their players to play in South Africa, and they live broadcast the first ever sporting event in North Korea's history, and it is Portugal against North Korea, and they got thrashed 8 nothing. <laughs> and... Uh, they pulled the broadcast towards the end of the game in North Korea. Those players, when they got home, were sent to a forced labor camp. That doesn't surprise me with uh, Kim Jong-un. I, I mean... Well, this, this might have even been his father. No, I, I mean, maybe it was, but either way, like... Regardless, yeah, like... Regardless, yeah. Relevant of, of, which, of which Kim it was. Ah, you got some... Yeah. It just... Yeah. It blows my mind. Number one, yeah. I mean, just like any that's other. That's like guy. um, that's like the 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 miracle on ice. Yes, they said that that whole Soviet team came back and they were yep. sent to uh, Siberia. And well, uh, remember in Colombia when that soccer player missed the free kick to, to, in the World Cup and he got executed by uh, Pablo Escobar? Okay, there's more to it than that. He didn't get executed. He missed. He got a. He scored an own goal and. He got. He just had to cross the border with some cocaine up his ass. No, no, he, ha- he happened. There's, there's a very, there's a very good, there's a very good thirty for thirty on that. The three, the two Escobars. Uh, it's very sad, but it, it, it just blows my mind. And again, this speaks to the governing bodies in all of sports, whether it's the NCAA, whether it's FIFA. Um, big bodies like this are just fundamentally corrupt. And the fact oh, that you think, the, well, yes, but like the fact that the Olympics or FIFA would allow these countries to participate when it's supposed to be a global come together type thing. And then they do that to their players. Like, no, you, you got to do better. At least. Yeah. Yeah. The two most corrupt sports organizations in the world are the IOC, you know, the international Olympic committee and the NCAA. 
Uh, FIFA's up there, man. FIFA's up oh, there. and FIFA. Yeah, That's FIFA's pretty up there. Organization. Yeah. Oh, sport. absolutely. I mean, they had the whole thing a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's totally a fact that the 2018 World Cup in Russia was bought and paid for, uh, and same with Qatar to an even higher level. Um, but, hey, it That's is what it is. is Qatar, right? Yes, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, it's going to be in December. It's going to be later in the year, I thought. Nope. 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 Summertime. I thought it was. I thought they were talking about having it on later in the year. They were. Nope. <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing full, 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 full air-conditioned stadiums. Uh, they've made eight stadiums from nothing. It's just brutal. It's yes. brutal. Yes. So, um, sorry for the segue, Jason. Man, you want to uh, just lead us in? Yeah. Welcome to the Riff. We're a sports bias podcast. I'm Jason Schifrin. With me is Rico West and Timothy Venn. Hello, everyone. Uh, Hi. If you know, did things a little differently. We normally shoot the shit for a little while before getting into the sports, but TJ okay. just had a big old boner for soccer. Yeah, he, no, he went. For, he came in off. hot. Fuck he just off. went in raw. Okay. Well, maybe I did. <laughs> no lube. Maybe I did. No lube. <laughs> I don't need lube, dude. Get that shit wet. It's first. a good. No, it's a good. Ew, what the fuck's the matter with you? <laughs> but. But the reason was because it's literally midnight and I just got done watching a very entertaining European soccer match. So fuck off. All right, Malta boy. All, All right. right. Malta boy. You and your 15th ranked internet, we get it. <laughs> On your small little fortified rock of an island nation that was instrumental during World War II. Hey, it was. I'm and not what, denying that. What has Malta done lately? Um, yeah, what has Malta done since the 1940s, bro? Besides um, getting yeah. top-ranked 15th internet. The Cold War was officially <laughs> ended here. Okay, uh, so what have they done Yalta. since 1990? That's Yalta, not Malta. Mother- oh, no, wait, that's what the Cold War started. The Cold- my bad, my bad, my bad, Whoa. my bad, Whoa. my bad, Whoa. my bad. <laughs> my bad, it's Yal- Yalta's where it started. Malta's where it ended. My Thank bad. You. Thank you. All right, but, but what my have bad. they done since I have a degree in poli-sci. What, what have they, do- what have they done the last 30 years? Last thirty years, bro. A lot. Oh yeah, name two. They joined the EU, and they became. Ah. Uh, I don't know, man. Whatever. They joined the EU. That's a huge accomplishment. Jason, do you think this is offensive? Because Rico is the one that got me to do this. He made me. I accidentally said this to a friend, Maltese, and they didn't appreciate it very much. But. You are I, uh, not pitting this on me. You are not pitting this on me. Let me, I'm going to hear the story and I, and, and I will decide it. Thank you. All right. And go, go on, Timothy. So it's like, you know, 9 a.m. and I'm, you know, just with two friends getting coffee. And it, something was just really annoying the shit out of me. And I was like, bro, this shit is straight Baghdad by the sea. And he was like, what? And I said, Baghdad by the sea. That's what this is. We're literally out here. He did not find that funny. He was no offended. Shit, Sherlock. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, it feels sometimes, and I was in a bad mood, so I'm, I was being a little bit sassy, that it feels like Baghdad by the sea. Also, a little context. He was drunk, too. Bagged up by the sea? Baghdad. Baghdad. Oh, okay. That's that's why I wasn't understanding what you were saying because I was like, "What the fuck does bagged up by the sea mean?" 
Um, yeah, it's obviously, dude. This is what I'm gonna say. When we were when we were in the fraternity, and like the the like younger guys that were already active wanted to like help out with pledge ship, and they would ask like, "Is this hazing? Is this hazing?" You know, the blanket response was, <laughs> "If you have to ask if this is hazing." It's it fucking is. hazing. So I'm going to say the same thing to you right now. If you have to ask if this is offensive, then the answer is was, is a resounding yes, it's offensive. Okay, well, I exactly. said it first, so I did it. But why then, is that Why is that Rico's fault? Because Rico is the one that said it to me. Uh, no. Okay, yeah. yeah, so Rico said it to you, so it's it's his fault that you repeated that you it 7,000 miles away? I didn't think that, that it, you I said it, it to was a funny. native. I thought it was funny. No, it's like, that's it's offensive. Oh yeah, I mean, it was like, hey man, people shit on Philly all the time. Like, I don't take it offensive. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah, exactly. His reasoning was like, oh, I say it to all my friends in Philly, and they laugh. No, I don't say that about Malta. I just, we, you know, people talk shit about that. whatever. I guess it's a thing. But hey, anyway, hey. let's go on to sports since this is a sports bias podcast. Man, you just derailed us um, from sports. <laughs> Yeah. Let's. Uh, I want to. I want to. I want to do a little humble brag here. Oh God! But uh, let's talk humble about brag. the new number one, the new power rankings for the NBA. Yeah, that don't involve the Sixers. <laughs> who, who's, and, and who's on top? Who's who's, who's number one? Who's number one? TJ. I want to hear you say it. Who's in the top five? TJ. Who's Whose in the power top five? rankings? Are we talking about the NBA power rankings according to CBS? Really? Because Rico sent oh, me Bleacher Reports. NBC, NBC, sorry. NBC, I'll show you on my phone right there. Brooklyn Nets m- move on top of Lakers. Number one in the power rankings, Brooklyn. I, I'm not, like, yeah, you literally have three of the top 15 players in the NBA. You should be that good. Yeah, um, or you're yeah. going for broke. You guys are spending a shit ton on salary this year. You should be on top. Mm-hmm. But you I would us? actually disagree with you that I think that the team that is the best in the NBA right now is undoubtedly the Utah Jazz. Like, uh, oh yeah, the Jazz—they're number two. Like, they're number they're, two in the rankings right now. The Jazz—they're number one. We just got to make sure Rudy doesn't lick uh, microphones. Yes, <laughs> this is true. That was a year um, ago. But yeah, that was a year ago. Sidebar. In about a couple weeks. Yes, sidebar. What are you guys doing for the one-year anniversary of the two-week flat in the curve? I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm injecting hand sanitizer straight into the vein, bro. That's what does it. Uh, nothing. Fuck, man. I don't know. Man. I was being I was being I was being sarcastic. There's no answer for that. <laughs> I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe we can do like a fucking you know live stream. Uh, just get a drunk party. Taking well, the, uh, a live stream our, of us all taking hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> well, I've already That's started my thing. drinking, so is that still a thing? Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, no, and it, yeah. And it is actually it it's, it is actually in, a, in an effective treatment. If uh, you have malaria, uh, my dog just farted next to me. Um, it's uh, it's actually an effective treatment if you catch COVID early. Um, cause it is a malaria treatment. So like, look, you, you go to any doctor right now in America and I'd say like nine out of 10 of them have a prescription of hydroxychloroquine in their fucking medicine cabinets right now. I bet. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe not anymore now that like most doctors have been vaccinated. I just, 
again, I, I don't know the science, but like that was, I just think about a year ago, all the ridiculous shit that so many people were saying about this fucking virus. And just, just for, just for legal notice, we don't condone the use of hydrochloroquine without for your uh, doctor consultation just for legal. Yes. And please don't drink fucking bleach. Um, or don't drink fish cleaner. Whatever it is, man. Just well, you can if you want to. I mean, you can. Do do you? Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, but I, I will say that in the last year, it, it's gone by so fast. And I, I saw something today that kind of brought it home for me. And uh, it was you know, someone tweeted the last Eagles game that the last Eagles game with the full crowd or with any crowd was week 17 of the 1920 season or yes of the 1920 season and i was there it was the eagles cowboys for the division and it was an amazing game carson played great we we won the division um but just how crazy that that was the last real game that i even could have been at for the eagles and mm-hmm. I also happened yeah. to be at Carson's first ever game preseason, his week one, his rookie year. And it's just, man, full circle. Like, well, I mean, cool. It's cool not story, just the bro. Eagles. Yeah. But it's not even just the Eagles. I mean, the, it's every, it's every, the, NFL every team <laughs> is, is like under like such a weird transition now. I mean, because during that game that you were at, the quarterback for the New England Patriots was Tom Brady. The quarterback for the New York Giants was Eli Manning. The, uh, I mean, yeah, and and Russell Wilson was James uh, Winston to stay in Seattle. James Winston has thirty thirty year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so and, there, and, and Russell Wilson leaving Seattle was not even a a conversation. But right. it seems it seems and look, I and that's why I wanted to bring this up. Now, I don't think, and I'm, I'm going to disclaim this now, and we are recording this on February 25th, 2021, I'm going to disclaim this now that I do not think that Russell Wilson is leaving the Seattle Seahawks, but the fact that this, like, little blur pops up every, like, couple weeks or so that, you know, three weeks ago it was that they're shopping him around, then it was like they're just curious what they can get, and then today it's, by the way, these are the teams Russell Wilson wants to go to, it's... Interesting that this keeps like moving its way back to the top of the news list. And I want to leave this open to discussion with us right now is where I doubt it happens, but is, is there a greater to none chance that Russell Wilson leaves the Seahawks? And where, and where is this coming from? Like, is this coming from Russell's camp? Is this coming from the Seahawks? Like what the fuck? So, so this is what I interpreted to be, and this is via Schefter and uh, Graziano. But after Essentially, the Seahawks had entertained uh, teams reaching out to them about you know, trading for him. And I imagine that didn't sit well with him. Um, and why would it? Exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. And so his camp has not formally requested a trade, but has informed them if you are Where going he to, wants to go. Yes. Yeah. Which, again... I I agree with you, Jason. The the fact that we keep here, like this hasn't gone away, um, leads mm-hmm. me to believe there's more yeah. there's more smoke 
then you know there's fire where there's there's smoke there could be something here yeah um, and, and all, out of all the teams that graziano and Schefter listed only two make sense to yes. me yes and it's new orleans and dallas those are the only two that make sense yeah I mean, look, I said in our group text between the three of us, you know, Dallas, like it makes sense, but it doesn't. But as a as an armchair general manager, I can make a very good case for a trade that's Russell for Dak and picks going back and forth in either direction. And it, and it could be a very simple two-team trade. And uh, I disagree. Mm. Look, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying I can make the argument for it. No, uh, for me, I'm. I'm. The reason I'm saying I disagree is not because you can't. I, I yes, I can make the argument too, but I don't think it's as simple as we're making it out to be. Because people forget Dallas's biggest problem is the cap. Okay, they have so much money tied up in skill position players, and signing Dak to what deal he deserves is going to be a big chunk of that salary cap now yeah. if they trade for russell i mean they're going to get a reprieve off maybe a one year off the dead cap space that seattle would have to eat basically but that doesn't solve their problem because they're just you getting don't think a, no that's they're they're getting another i mean russ is the second highest paid quarterback is he i mean he's he might be yeah, he just got, a, well, he got paid a few years ago. Yeah. He might be. It was. was he paid right. after Stafford? Because Stafford was the highest for a while. Was was That's was Russell's contract bef- was Russell's contract before uh, Maddie? I want to say it's around. Yeah, that's Aaron a really good question. Uh, so so I just don't know if that solves Dallas's problems in terms of cap space. Like, yeah, if. It would be totally on brand for Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, but again, if, if I'm armchair GMing, I I don't know why I would. Yes, I mean, if I'm if I'm the yeah. Seahawks, why am I why am I even entertaining this? Yes, I agree. something happened. Yeah. something happened that the, that the public is not aware of that we will probably never be aware of unless a trade happens. Um, but it could be as like silly. I mean, did you hear the reasons that, uh, Goff was traded? No. So, uh, uh, allegedly in a group text with, uh, uh, Goff and like most of the offense. And I think McVeigh was in the group text as well. Mm-hmm. Goff made a comment like Sean better watch out. I'm going to fuck his girl. I mean, she is a smoke show. Regardless of of her uh, hotness, I if, don't you know, know. Big, big if true, mm. big if true. No, look, you can Google it. Like, just Google that would it, like, be Jared pretty Goff. ballsy. I That'd agree. Ballsy. I, 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 I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying I think McVeigh has been out on golf since the Super Bowl. I think I, so too. I. Uh, I mean, there's the same rumors. You know, people are just now finding out that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson didn't talk for the last 10 weeks of the season. And, I mean, that's surprising to some people. But when you treat a quarterback who obviously has the clout of being the team leader and you've paid them, 
but you do something or the front office does something like draft a quarterback in the second round, it's an endorsement or not an endorsement, but a detraction from the fact that you're not fully sold. And that's going to... Goff Goff went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So did Wentz. So did Wentz. Well, but but Goff... uh, Big Dick Nick. Big Dick Nick. uh, Yeah, I mean, like, like, Goff actually played his Super Bowl, like, led his team. Look, guys, I'm not going to take that away from Wentz. And lost. I'm I'm not going to take away from Wentz because, I mean, Big Dick Nick... It, it inherited like a, a, a not an, not an easy task, but an easier task. It wasn't like Big Dick Nick came in week three and then yes. led them all the way to a. But but Jared Goff led them through the playoffs. So we people forget people forget that. I mean, people always forget the losing team of the Super Bowl. Uh, two years ago, the Niners were in the Super Bowl, and this year they were has-beens. Yes, yeah. and that brings up the question: like, there's also all the talk about is Jimmy G gone in San Francisco? Uh, I've been I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts where they draft a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, I honestly think this is the, you know we talked about this last time about how the NFL has become a twelve month sport and it, it's not just clickbait, but the teams in this league unlike now, NBA. Uh, yes, NBA oh. is clickbait. The off season of the NBA is a soap opera. Oh yeah, it is. But it's part of the attraction. Uh, and I fair think, enough. Anyway, I interrupted you. But with with the NFL, we're seeing now this total, I think, shift in, okay, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, there's always been at least, with the exception of maybe Jamarcus Russell, Johnny Manziel, uh, a two- to three-year window you give that guy. Mm-hmm. And, that, and now you're seeing teams take a guy in the first round, and one, two years on, there's rumors about them being off that, that quarterback Tua is an example, you know, I, I don't understand. It's unfair. Yeah. It's really, I think it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. uh, you, you draft a quarterback, give the guy a fucking chance. I agree. Well, it's, it's like all the talk with, with the giants earlier, very early on. Um, even like, like, former Giants were tweeting it that the Giants should make a move for Deshaun Watson. Like, yo, we have way too much invested in uh, Daniel Jones right now to really be entertaining uh, uh, another quarterback. In in a year or two, if we're still lackluster, which I don't think is, is really likely, I do I think Daniel Jones is going to be an elite quarterback. That's yet to be seen. But in a year or two, if Daniel Jones still hasn't developed properly – then you can start entertaining the conversation of either trading for a for a veteran quarterback or you know trading for picks or or tanking for lack of a better term for a better draft pick to get a better quarterback but i agree with you tj you need to give quarterbacks and coaches for the most part a few years really because when a coach steps in or a new quarterback steps in they're inheriting the their predecessors shit the roster exactly. and yeah. especially like and this is more maybe the the casual fan that doesn't realize this, but when you have a team, okay, and there's a lot of instability in the front office and things that may seem not like a big deal, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, schemes that are changing, You when you throw all that changing shit onto a rookie's plate, uh, you're just asking them to do too much. You know, well, yeah, it's it's like learning a new language. Exactly, it's like learning a new language, and 
you know, I, I think Baker is a perfect example. You saw the fluctuations with him his first three years. Yeah. yeah first three or four years. Yeah. He was great as a rookie and then second year sucked and third year sucked. But then this year did pretty well. Yeah. And, and what was the, the difference, uh, at least in my mind, they had a coach come in and a new offense that were just like, look, you don't have to win us the game. You, we yeah, have you can, enough You can talent. be a game manager. You can be yes. a game manager. Yeah. And, and, and that brings up another point is that I feel like because of the rise of this whole, you know, do you guys remember the uh, NFL quarterback club back in the late 90s? Like, No. Okay. Well, when I was seven? It, it was literally a video game, but it, it was just – all about how, you know, the crazy super quarterbacks, Brett Favre, Steve Young, uh, even a late Marino in L.A. I remember the head coaching game. Okay, well, my, oh, point, yeah. my point here is that because of the rise of Mahomes, uh, in this year you can say Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, uh, guys that are putting up ridiculous numbers, I think teams are looking and they're like, man, if we don't have that guy who can throw for 5,000 and 35 touchdowns or whatever, we're not going to win. I don't believe that's the, the case. Uh, we've seen teams that have beaten the best quarterbacks with better rosters. Um, yeah. So any given Sunday. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I personally would rather build – a team that that has a quarterback that has the ability to go win you the game, but I don't want my quarterback to do what to have to do what Russ has to do every week, which is essentially run for your life, make every play, and hope to win. Exactly, so and a- I think it's it's the Josh Rosen effect in football now. You know, if if your quarterback doesn't show you anything in year one, you cut his ass and you get yourself a Kyler Murray. And, you know, I think a team, I think a team that's done a really good job at, at what you just said is, uh, believe it or not, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and the Tennessee yeah. Titans. The Tennessee Titans yeah. did it with a veteran quarterback, and the Cleveland Browns did it with a with a rook. And and yeah, like, really? I think it's uh, those are two teams that not even five years ago you would laugh if you said that they were contenders. We're forgetting yeah, about Tess- the Bills. Well, and the Bills too. Yeah. The Bills, you know, too. Bills got instantly better with Josh Allen, and the Titans got instantly better with Ryan Tannehill. What? Both of and those the Browns were the team that was building the foundation, so when they finally got the quarterback in Baker Mayfield, they were able to uh, – they, they won the playoffs this year. They won, they, they won, their, they won one playoff game. And they, yeah, exactly. They won a playoff game. And it's amazing. That's – uh, with the Browns, I think it's it's worth pointing out that that team was not constructed overnight. I mean, you have you have some high draft pick stars on that team, and yes, I'm not even I'm, and players willing to take less money to go there and and form the team. Yeah, I mean, yep. it, when we again we're we're so spoiled by the the Mahomes and the passing surplus we've had the last five years that teams don't think that running the ball is sexy or, you know, there's that kind of 
bias. It's because the whole uh, West Coast, uh, the West Coast offense. Yes. Thing, that, that, that whole strategy that took off in like the mid 2010s. Yes. People are still yeah. like, oh, I want to see my quarterback be a gunslinger. But the thing is, is football is a is an 11 man sport. I, yeah, I, I want my I want my Texas Tech offense in the NFL. Personally, yeah, I would rather have the Cleveland Tennessee offense that we're going to run the ball 35, 40 times a game and hit you on the. Well, screen. when you That's well when you have a beast at running back like uh, Tennessee has, he was Dark Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was six three and two hundred and forty pounds. It's kind of easy to be like, oh yeah. We're going to feed this guy the ball. <laughs> but, okay, but it's not easy because look at how – I mean, teams literally can stack the box. When they had Mariota, who wasn't able to stretch the field and get wide receivers the ball, they were not an offensive really scary unit. Being able to get A.J. Brown and uh, see the wide receiver, Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. And those two guys, especially being able to hit them deep, that's what's made the offense churn there, in my opinion. And Miami is just a uh, like developmental city for both the NFL and for the MLB. (laughs) I mean, I make I make the joke that the that the uh, uh, the Miami Marlins, I almost said Florida Marlins, um, the Miami Marlins are the New York Yankees developmental team. But, yeah. but 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 yeah. but seriously, both 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 the Marlins and the the Finns are they kind of just like develop players that they 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 reach the peak and how much they can develop them, get rid of them, and they they kick ass elsewhere. Well, yeah, Jarvis Landry, he was a he was a Dolphin, and now look what he's doing mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Mike and he's better without uh, Odell. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick is another one. Yeah. Yes, um, but. I think it all, again, comes down to what's your strategy? And this is where I I think a a GM has such an important role in having a relationship with the coach. What is our strategy of the personnel we're going to build? Are we going to be a running-centric, quarterback-centric? How how can we make this work? Whatever your plan is. I agree. I think they should really be the same person. Quarterback, the coach and the GM? I think the coach and the GM should be the same person, and the GM should be a, a hybrid between a president and a base. I think I think coach should be a hybrid of coach and general manager, and I think that GM should be a, a hybrid of GM and president of football operations. Um, and I think that should be a requirement for all the teams because you do you need you need a a GM to communicate with their head coach and vice versa because the head coach is going to be like I want. Here's a great example. Philadelphia Eagles head coach at the time, Andy Reid, wanted Alex Smith. No one listened to him. Uh He ended up getting fired by the Eagles. He goes to the Chiefs. He gets his man. And 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 he rides him to the playoffs. And he rides him to the playoffs. And they had great success. It was was an – correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was an Alex Smith injury that led to the rise of Mahomes. Yes, but Mahomes Uh, – No, it was – it was it was an Alex Smith trade to the football team that led that. Yeah, right. Because they had Mahomes, but, exactly. But but Reed Reed had his man, and imagine how different the NFL would have been if I mean I always make the joke that uh, Alex Smith going to the 49ers is the <laughs> is the flashpoint <laughs> in the NFL, and I usually talk about it with Aaron Rodgers and Colin Kaepernick. But what if Alex Smith did go to the Eagles? 
so here's here's why I, I push back on that just because okay Andy developed the prototype for the Kansas City offense in Philadelphia with Mike Vick, Deshaun Watt, Deshaun uh, Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Brent Selleck, Deshaun McCoy, and when Andy left, it it was time. Okay, you know uh, I feel like with the exception of Belichick, and even you can make that argument now, maybe the time has come, your message gets stale after a while. And I yes. don't, Andy had gone through a lot of personal family stuff in Philadelphia with his, you know, some of his children passing away. Um, and, and he really needed a new scenery. And it, it, it wouldn't have made sense. I, I don't think he would have had the success. I, I want to say that, yeah, we would have ended up with Mahomes and all that. But Andy really had carte blanche in building that roster. And, I mean, yes, we didn't get Alex Smith, but we also weren't in a position to get him. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, but, yeah. I mean, look, there could have been day of dress uh, trades there. there yeah. look, if, if, if Andy Reid, if I don't know who was the GM at the time for you guys, for the Eagles, uh, whoever it was, uh, if, if whoever the GM was, was like, all right, my coach wants Alex Smith. I'm going to go balls to the wall and I'm going to get Alex Smith. You could have gotten Alex Smith. It, it was essentially Howie Roseman, but Andy was the... He had final say on the yes, roster, essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think it's imprudent to give that type of power to all coaches head just, coach yeah, yeah. just just because a lot of especially with these young coaches man they're just trying to figure out who they are <laughs> exactly they're they're trying to establish you know their their legacy essentially yeah um now if you if you look at nba gms i think that's a different scenario because i feel like nba gms have much more instrumental in building those teams Oh, 100%. Especially when NBA GMs, a lot of them are either former players or you see you see more NBA players go into front office positions than you do in the other sports. Because I go the only example. I, yeah, the only example I can think of outside of the NBA um, is John Elway. I mean, like I know like a lot of the, a lot of the head coaches and stuff and general managers were players, but they were like they were like low ranking players uh-huh. where in the exactly. NBA, I mean, look, look, look at the nets. You got, yes. you have a, you have a G, you have a GM and a head coach that were teammates uh, with each other. It, with uh, the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> with the Phoenix Suns. You have, you have, uh, you have Rob Palenka, who's the general manager of the Lakers. And he, he was an agent. Managed, yeah. He, he was, was an agent. agent or manager, right? He, he, he was probably half their agents at one point. Yeah, exactly. In his company. So it's the NBA, the NBA, it, it, it's just such a, it's, it's incredible to me how our, you know, our main sports, the, the landscape of them and the way they're run and managed are just so vastly different. And it, and it, and it's more than just money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you could say the same thing in baseball. You know, Jeter running the Marlins. Has Jeter had any front office experience before that? No. Jeter, Jeter. Okay, so I'm Is a huge Jeter fan. The and, Marlins in the room next door. Yeah, so I'm going to explain this. So in the room next door to where I am right now, like my my little man cave, I got a, I have a signed Derek Jeter jersey. 
it's it's like my prized possession. I grew up in New York in the nineties. Um, uh, 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 Derek Jeter doesn't run the Marlins. He's a like a one percent partner. He's part of yeah. the, the ownership group. He owns a very small percentage of them. Yeah, and he's like the face of the ownership group. Yeah, because he's Derek Jeter. Yeah, he's Derek fucking Jeter. Yeah, right. Um, actually, so uh, you know, just to briefly talk uh, about it, but you know, Tiger Woods was just in a in a car accident the other day. Oh yeah. Fortunately, he's in, he's in. Fortunately, he's in good health, which is good. Um, I'm just gonna call uh, TJ out on this on this one because he texted me after Tiger Woods was in the accident saying, "Wow, he's driving a shitty Chrysler." Uh, wow. So uh, anyway, so my I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, and he read Derek Jeter's autobiography and in it, there's a, there's a, a story where Derek Jeter and Tiger Woods go to a club together. Now, Tiger Woods, keep in mind, he, you know, he was, he was in the national limelight, international limelight since he was three years old. Uh, so he didn't have a normal childhood, Tiger Woods, because he was a three year old, three year old on like the tonight show, uh, putting away. And it was, it was known from, from a very young age that he was, you know, the, the next big thing in golf. Yeah. Um, so he's with Derek Jeter at a club and, uh, Der- Tiger Woods like looks at Derek Jeter and goes, Hey, I'm you know, like, how do I talk to girls? I don't know how to talk to girls. How do I, how do I go over to girls? And in the story, according to my, my friend who read the book, um, in the story, Derek Jeter puts his arm around Tiger Woods and goes, you walk over to someone and go, hi, I'm Tiger Woods. <laughs> So that story is almost true because in the documentary, it was Michael Jordan that, that told him that. Okay. Okay. Back check. Okay, um, yep. But still, well, because there, there were stories in, in New York in like the ni- late 90s and, and mid, through the mid 2000s oh. where, where Derek Jeter was going into clubs and he would literally just like find the hottest girl there and go, Hi, I'm Derek Jeter. Would you like to leave? And, and he would be in the club for two minutes. He would pick who he wanted and leave. Well, yeah, Derek Jeter was a uh, was an all star at scores. Apparently, it's a strip club, Rico. <laughs> uh, yeah, get yeah, it's a very well known strip club in New York. Sorry, you did the strip club encyclopedia. Um, I mean, I am, but I also am not. Uh, He's not well versed on his East Coast strip clubs. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, so, okay, first let me just clarify, I only laughed about the Derek Jeter there, the Tiger Woods thing, because I already knew he was fine. However, is it well, not? Well, I mean, fine, and, and, like, he has, like, two fractured legs and a shattered ankle, fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> to be yeah, honest... Look, he, this is the kind of guy, he'll come back and win a championship. No, oh, dude, his doctors are saying, yeah, I think your competitive golf days are over. He said that... Wow. Before. Uh, and he was already lukewarm in his last interview about if he was going to play in this year's Masters. Well, his well, son is in the next woods then because his son's fucking good. Yeah, his yeah. son's really good. <laughs> um, but again, so just on, on and on Derek Jeter, I, I always feel like with an athlete, and they're very rare, if you have the the maturity to be able to go out and compose yourself and, and be a socialite in the limelight and do these things, be at the clubs with the girls and show up on game day every day. 
and and be a professional, then that is, you know, you're good. Now, well, yeah, Derek, Derek Jr. gets a pass because he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Yes, and no one can ever question his work ethic. Um, exactly. Well, they did briefly. So uh, Steinbrenner got mad at George. Uh, uh, George got mad at Jeter uh, in like the early 2000s or so because he was seen like clubbing on uh, uh, on game day or game nights. Like like or, or uh, like, like like Eve game day eves or whatever like nights before games I can't speak words are hard, um, and <laughs> and it was like Steinbrenner it's like a famous thing where where he like publicly berated Derek Jeter, Jeter of course went to Steinbrenner privately apologized they made nice for it there's a very famous Visa commercial with Steinbrenner and Jeter it's probably about twenty years old now where mm-hmm. Steinbrenner calls Jeter into his office and is like, you can't do this anymore. You can't go clubbing. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think's paying for all of this? I'm the one who pays you. And Derek Jeter makes a comment like, no, it's Visa. So then he takes Steinbrenner to a club and Steinbrenner's like dancing and like having like all these girls uh, 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 grinding on him and stuff. And Steinbrenner's like, so Visa's paying for it? And Jeter's like, Yep, and then he hands the visa to like the waitress, and it's Steinbrenner's visa. <laughs> so, so they made so just, they made they made fun of it. <laughs> so to bring this back to Russell Wilson, I think the only reason Russell Wilson gets traded out of Seattle is because he wants out because DK Metcalf in a group text says he wants to fuck Sierra. <laughs> and, he, and Russell no, knows was, he can't beat up kid, DK. When I was a kid, I mean, when we, were, when we were kids, when we were kids, there was a rumor that Sierra had a dick. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, that Sierra was really a man. Right, right. Yeah, I'm Sierra not making really this tough. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, uh, no, I so heard that New York, too. New York, Philadelphia, Arizona, there was all over the country when we were kids, Where? there were rumors that Sierra was a man. That Sierra was, was, used to be a man, yeah. Yeah. Like, there was no, like, and they cut her dick off, and she was now a woman. Like, can you imagine if that was a real, like, thing now? Okay, how rumors travel. Like, how the fuck did we, did we, like, get that? Yeah, without social media. Like, sending snail mail. We all, we all knew this. No, AOL forums, man. AOL forums. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, uh, okay, so now that we're on this. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're totally derailing here. No, but that's fine. We're off the rails. Uh, my still my favorite random uh, story about fucking random people on teams. Oh, I know what you're gonna say, Marilyn Manson. No, um, <laughs> I was gonna. You know say, what I'm talking about, Marilyn Manson with the ribs, so he could suck his own dick. <laughs> yes, that one. Yep, that one was yep, good. Yeah. Uh, but I was gonna say, of all the ridiculous sports rumors that I just hope is true because the, it, it's too fucking hilarious to not be. Is the LeBron James, Delonte West is why he left. Oh, uh, oh no, that's true. South, but it, that's, that's true. true. Delonte West did fuck LeBron's mom. That's not a rumor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how? I, LeBron, on, went, LeBron went south and his mom went west. Yes, again, ah, I ah. want to believe it, but the... It's the, true. Like, like, how it's did true. that actually, start? I... Try, Who knows? It was. I, I think. I think it was like. I think it was like a picture of like LeBron's mom looking thirsty for Delonte at, at, at a at a at a game, and uh, that's that's kind of how it started. You know, but Delonte's uh, not doing too well now. 
He's well, now actually now. he's in re- he's in he's in rehab because of Cuban. Yeah. Because of Mark. Yes. I mean, look, Mark Cuban yeah. is Mark Cuban's the goat. Yes. 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 Goat human being. Yeah. Um, I love Shark Tank. I I will say such that a great show. I amazing. I watch it. I was just watching it uh, earlier today. I really like that uh, Mark Cuban is so involved with with his on a variety of different issues, but in terms of franchises that stand in a high profile in my book, you know, the Mavs are, are pretty high up there. Um, oh yeah. Thank you. Cuban is the example of like a super fan that became a billionaire. So he bought a team and turned it around and turned the franchise around. The, they were already, I mean, cause he, he bought that like Dirk was already on the team when he bought them. No, he bought the, he bought them the year before they drafted Dirk and traded for Steve Nash. No shit. Yeah, this was right How after the... How Cuban... So Cuban's owned been, the Mavs a lot longer than, than I thought. I thought he owned uh, the team like 15 years ago. But no, this is I like think it was like years ago. 97, I think, is when he bought the team. Wow, okay. But uh, I think, uh, again, look at... Again, uh, what Cuban did, he buys that team as an outsider and not a big name in terms of, you know, the boys yeah, club. Yeah, he was a dot-com. He was a dot-com millionaire. Yes. Yeah, exactly. In, in terms of the boys club that is... Broadcast.com. Owning sports franchises. Right. And he had the balls to take a European star, and that was, like, one of his first picks. And to trade for a third-string point guard, too. Like, you know... I, I, again, I think that shows the, uh, I don't want to progress progressiveness. I think that makes it sound political, but the willingness for Mark Cuban on a variety of different issues to realize there's mm-hmm. more than one way to skin the onion. Exactly. Um, and I mean, it's worked out clearly. I mean, they have arguably the most exciting young player in the NBA. Um, yeah. and yeah, on, on that note, man, I yeah, don't know. We're on NBA. Let's, let's keep it with NBA. Let's talk about the fucking All Star pick, shall we? Yeah, man, I'm for it. Rico, let, let it out. Let it out. And, and as as you can tell by my tone, as a Phoenix Suns fan, that this this year Devin Booker got fucking snubbed for his own fucking spot on the roster. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? How? Mm-hmm. And LeBron said it the best. He is the most disrespected player in the NBA by mm-hmm. the media, by the coaches, everyone. And it took fucking, thankfully, Anthony Davis was injured and, and uh, Adam Silver was like, yeah, Book, that's your spot. Isn't, uh, isn't Booker on the reserves, though? Yeah. Do you think he should did, be a starter? He should be no, a starter. No, right? no, 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 no. So he should have gotten his own spot because he was supposed to, he didn't even get a spot as a reserve. He's an injury replacement. It's it's a caveat. Like it's not a essentially you're getting on the team because someone's injured. Yeah, and he should he should have made the reserves anyways. Exactly like, over fucking Zion Williamson. Go suck my dick. And I mean, Zion's a star though, man. Okay, like, but, but he's on a shitty team. Hold on, hold on. Doesn't matter. That's not his fault. It's not his fault. He balled out in college and got drafted first overall or hold third. On, hold on. So. Just one thing that I love is uh, so Tobias Harris has had a career season for the Sixers. We're top five record in the NBA. I think the 
first or second in the East, and Tobias has but been... But you're, you're not number one on the uh, power rankings. The CBS oh, power God. rankings that no one cares about. Okay, yeah. continue. But Tobias Harris didn't get announced to the reserves, and all he tweeted was, it's just politics. And, really and it's is. true. It, it's true. It, it is literally politics. You know, the, yeah, fact the head coach is fan pick. Oh, fan pick for the for the starters is so stupid. It's fan so pick dumb. for in general for all star games are stupid because then it's a popularity contest. It's like student body president. Yes, but it's 50, 25, 25, I believe. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Okay. But but the reserve It's still it's like twenty-five is still an influence. I agree. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that the NBA clearly has a vested interest in trying to promote Zion. And I understand why, okay? He, you know, it, it's exciting uh, for him, whatever. But and It's they, bullshit. They feel like he can be the next face of the NBA. Whatever it is, I disagree with it. You have so many young, talented superstars, and Devin Booker has proven that he is one of them. Give the man his respect. Exactly. <laughs> like they said for years that Devin didn't get in because the Suns were so shitty. And then the Suns are good this year and he puts up good numbers and he still doesn't get in. I it's said mad. that. I said that. Okay. Yeah. Literally, Rico, we had this argument last year and I was on the, the other side saying, hey, man, the team sucks. Exactly. <laughs> and, but that being said, it, it just blows my mind that. I, I, two Pelicans players made it. Yeah, Brandon Ingram um, and Zion. Yeah, they're sh- yeah. It's a shitty team. They're thirteen and seventeen. Like what and, the fuck? And if, if if we want to talk about it, maybe okay. Is it market bias? Okay, I, I get that Phoenix is kind of gets dogged uh, as being not a top tier market. You can't tell me New Orleans is a top tier market. Not compared to Phoenix. Hell no. No. It's not. No. Uh, now there is, there's other things that, that I, I think go into it, but again, it, well, why don't we just want the best players in the fucking all-star game? Exactly. Like I think the most snub player of all time, at least in these last two years is Bradley Beal. He puts up ridiculous numbers. He, he, he got his respect this year. He got a start. Thankfully. Thankfully. It's. Yeah, I mean, look, it's the same as with, and we discussed this a few weeks ago, with, like, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. You know, the Baseball Hall of Fame is bullshit. Yeah, yeah it's bullshit, bullshit politics. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, the, that the Baseball Writers of America have carte blanche to see who gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame with a 75% vote. It's stupid. And I think when, although I firmly believe in a democracy, if we're talking about, like, you know, anything like politics, okay, yes, you have the right to keep your vote to yourself. It shouldn't be known. But in sports, if you are a sports writer, if you are a coach, etc., I think you got to – that has to be shared. Like, I want to know – That has to be public knowledge. I want to yeah. know who did what, who said what. Like, come come ready to defend your picks. Like Exactly. I agree. Your stance. And I think – yeah, and uh, going back to the Devin Booker situation, uh, Reggie Miller tweeted something that was, I think, so awesome, was that uh, Devin should use this as motivation to just wreck the NBA. 
And it, and he said, if Chris Paul was truly a really good teammate, he would put it in Book's ear every single game that this coach did not vote for him to be in the all-star game and basically just wreck the NBA off anger. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, although I, I – here's another example. I didn't agree with this. However, I mean, I remember when Ben Simmons won Rookie of the Year and, you know, Donovan Mitchell was so – like there was drama for the first time ever about Ben Simmons shouldn't have been eligible because it was technically his second year, although he didn't play his rookie year. And yeah, and there's, totally, there's a rule about that. Yeah, so he, I, I, he won it within the rules. Yes, Blake Griffin won the same thing. Um, exactly. Devin or uh, Donovan Mitchell, he really used that as motivation and oh, to, to become the best guard to become the best guard in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean he is deadly. Um, they they don't call him Spider for nothing. Yes, I, I honestly I, I don't remember a time when the NBA has been so exciting. Uh, yeah. And, well, just just to look at it, you know, Utah is the best team in the NBA because they are just fucking deadly at every position. Yeah. I mean, they have so many talented players, but also they have marquee players in Gobert and Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. And Mike Conley is their point guard. Yeah. But Utah's not even a sexy market. And Utah's not even It's actually it's actually a very unsexy market. Exactly. <laughs> um, but also you look at Milwaukee. Shitty yep, market. Milwaukee. Yeah, um, shitty market. Philadelphia shitty market. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn but, shitty market. <laughs> uh, I, I just think the but the one thing I will say with the NBA has done better than in my opinion any other major U.S. sports league is make the all-star game matter. Not that it matters for the sake of the game, but as a spectacle. Um, And yeah, exactly. There's no reason. I mean, the Pro Bowl, we all know. Um, It's a cupcake game. It's a cupcake game. And I I don't blame those players. Like, why would you play? I wouldn't play. Like, like, why would you? Why would you get injured in the Pro Bowl? Yeah, um, yeah. The, well, the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowls them all together. Yes. And yeah. In the MLB, I mean, there's been so much drama about that. Um, I mean, at least in the MLB, the winner of, of the game it gets home. Not anymore in the World Series. What? Not anymore. Not for like Since two what? years. Yeah, like two years ago. Fucking bullshit. But again, mm-hmm. like that. I just, agree. It was cool. It was cool having the All Star Game like kind of mean something, but uh, it was cool, but also kind of bullshit. Like it was kind of bullshit because if you yeah, had a team of, yeah. that went like a hunt that won a hundred games, but they were in the losing divisions All Star Game, they didn't get they didn't get a home field advantage against the wild card team. Yes, that, that that's true. World yeah. Series. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I just think the NBA does the best job of putting together a event that is exciting. Um, oh yeah, All Star Saturday Night, man, with all those skills competitions. Yeah, and, and I know there was some pushback on guys not being happy about them doing it with COVID, and I I feel that. Oh God. I, uh, I, I here's here's why I get that is that these guys are being asked to essentially play a truncated season in a with less time off, following all these protocols, and then they want to bring everyone together for this big event 
that has the potential, God forbid, someone gets sick. I mean, you're going to see just nearly about every game postponed for at least a few weeks. Uh, spare me your tears as you wipe with your $100 bills, NBA uh, players. <laughs> they're not tears. It's just I, – I just think that, again, it's one of those money talks things, and I don't think the player's stance is like, I don't want to play because – I'm scared. It's more of, man, you guys have given us the riot act about following these rules, but the only reason we're playing this game is for money. You, you guys to make money. Cause it's a big TV thing. Well, and they also get to smoke weed now for the first time ever. Okay. Yeah. But they, <laughs> uh, they don't, they don't get to smoke weed. They're just not going to be tested for weed. They get to smoke weed. Yeah, they get smoked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not. You're not. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, which on does again bring me to something random. What is the NFL going to do next season when four? Is it fourteen states now are legal? Uh, fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, and I mean that policy has got to go. Oh, all together, yeah, yeah, all together, it's got to go. I mean, for all look, you have you have New Jersey, you have New Jersey where it's legal, so that's two teams. You have Nevada, you have Washington, you have Colorado, you have um, Arizona, you have Arizona, California, California, which is five te- four teams, three teams, whatever. I we we just we just listed like like twelve teams that. Uh, and that's without looking online and, and cross-referencing. But there's like that's like 12 out of the 30 teams just off the top of our heads that uh, that have it legal. And yeah, and you just again, I've always I've always felt this way about weed in the NFL. Like, okay, a performance-enhancing drug is a performance-enhancing drug. We all know the difference. Uh, a if you're doing narcotics, okay, that's we all know the difference. If you're smoking yeah. weed, like you're not gaining a fucking advantage. No, uh, you're you're actually helping recover. Yes, and, and countless players that have talked to the fact. Look, man, these teams just shovel you painkillers, which okay, yeah, that, and, that's and cortisone shots and all that good shit, and all the incentives for them to just play through injuries, but then they don't want to take on the back end of taking care of players when they get out the league and, and supporting them recovering from things like about like flash Gordon. Seriously. Like Josh Gordon, Josh Gordon has been like, keeps getting like blackballed by the NFL because he likes to get high. And before flash Gordon, it was Ricky Williams. Well, Ricky Williams quit the league so he can go to like Africa and get high. Or was oh, that Dave Chappelle? Oh, that was Dave Chappelle. Okay, yeah, Ricky they, Williams they, only quit for two years. <laughs> there's, there's been multiple. There's been multiple. Um, also, you know, there's a great well, one player that I think we everyone forgets about is a guy by the name of Justin Blackman. Okay, they, oh, he's an fuck. amazing receiver for the Jags, and he went from leading the league in touchdowns and receiving yards to being out the league, never played again. Because he loved he loved his weed. Yeah. He loved weed, and then he ended up getting in some trouble, and he was suspended, and, and that was it. Um, I just I think that the NFL has got to come to terms with the fact they have to 
the times changed and I, I don't understand how you could possibly move forward next season with the current policy in place. I agree. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I always say that uh, marijuana legislation, to get a little political here, that marijuana legislation is not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's an age issue. And it doesn't matter yeah, if you're if you're in your it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat and you're 65 or older or you're a Republican and you're 65 or older. Odds are if you're 65 or older, you're more than likely uh, against uh, lifting the prohibition on marijuana. And as uh, the players are getting younger, obviously, I mean, the, the average age of a, of a player is probably about 26, 27, uh, maybe a little older. But that's, that means that your average player was born sometime in the 90s. Um, same with coaches. Your average coach is probably born now in the late 70s. Um, and eventually the ownership is going to change too uh, as you know, the that's, children that, of owners start taking over. That's um, the big one. Yeah. So why don't we finish today on a high note? Hi. See what you did there. <laughs> From the riff. I'm Jason Schifrin. I'm Rico West. Tim James. Peace out. Till next time. Bitches.